So this morning's scripture is um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 to 15, and it's going to be on the screen behind me if you want to read along. It's not 2 Chronicles, as I learned this morning. <laughs> that would have been fun. Um, all right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 to 15. I, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel divine jealousy of you or for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you to a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted, because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and, when I, and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Let's pray. God, um, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come together with your people and to worship you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for, for, for sending your one and only son, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice to die on the cross for our sins, to take the punishment that we deserved, to provide a way of escape from the, the condemnation that we were rightly owed for our rebellion against you. God, we, each one of us, everybody in this room who is in Christ, who has placed their faith in you, stands here by grace uh, we are adopted into your family, sons and daughters, because of this glorious gospel, because of this good news about your mercy. Um, so, Lord, we worship you this morning. Jesus, we exalt you. I pray that you would be glorified through the preaching of your word. Um, I pray that you would remove distractions um, and that you would speak very clearly to each one of our hearts this morning. And, Lord, I pray that as we talk about... Um, First of all, about the work of, of the enemy, I pray that you would guard and protect the hearts and the souls of each person in here. Um, Lord, I pray against uh, the devil and against his schemes in the name of Jesus, and I pray that you would protect this church, that you would protect each person uh, in this room, each person in this church, um, and that, God, you would just um, give us wisdom and discernment. Um, the, the, the enemy is, is active and at work looking to deceive people, and that's what 
talking about this morning, and we need your help uh, to be able to discern uh, right from wrong, light from darkness. So I pray that you would equip your people this morning so that we can contend for the faith, um, first of all, delivered to the saints. We love you. I pray that you could help me now as I can't do anything apart from you. I need you this morning. We need you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, we are uh, got one more week until we uh, pick back up with our series in Romans. We've been going through Romans, and uh, we will be back at it again next week. But uh, to kind of kick off the new year, this is something that I've been wanting to cover for a while and um, I haven't had an opportunity to, uh, and I just felt like I needed to. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to be talking about um, how to um, identify false teachers and teachings. And I'll explain why in a second. But I want you to imagine for a second what what your life would be like and how you would start living differently if you knew that there was a powerful stealthy hitman that was stalking you, like right now, today, and he's in town, and you were being stalked by this hitman. Like, how would that change the way that you go about your day? You, pro- I mean, things would have to change, right? You wouldn't be as nonchalant as you normally are. You'd probably be a lot more alert, probably wouldn't isolate, right? You'd want to be around other people and make sure, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's safety uh, in numbers, right? You'd uh, might call for protection. Maybe you'd call the police. Maybe you'd, maybe you'd call somebody that you know. But regardless, you'd be taking uh, precautions and you'd be taking extra measures to be extra vigilant, right? Well, the good news is, is that that's, I don't think that's happening for any of us in here. Hopefully not. If it is, come and talk to me afterwards and we'll try to get you some help. Hopefully nobody's actually being stalked by a, a person. But we are, we are being stalked by an enemy, just not a, a human enemy, but it's, it's uh, a, another kind of enemy. And he's not going after your life. He's going after your soul. Uh, in fact, 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, there is a real devil, Satan. Uh, he is a real force. He is actively at work. He hates you. He hates God. He hates Jesus. And his main goal is to take you away from Jesus so that he can destroy you. His main, he hates humanity because human beings are made in God's image and he hates God and he wants to destroy you. And he is actively looking for people to destroy. Um, I'm covering this this morning because I'm concerned about uh, the amount of bad uh, teaching or false teaching that I see today uh, in the world and and especially in our culture uh, mixed with the lack of discernment that I see in the church. Um, Just there's no other way for me to put it other than I see a lot of naivety in the church, uh, a lot of gullibility. Uh, I, I think that we've, in a lot of ways, lost our ability to be able to distinguish between what's from God and what's not from God. And part of my role, part of Mike's role, Chris's role as elders is to equip you guys to be able to discern uh, good, sound doctrine, good, sound teaching, and to be able to recognize when something's not right, when something's off, when something is not from God. Because as you just heard in this passage, Satan is an angel of light. He's not just going to come and announce, here I am, I'm Satan, are you going to believe me? That's not what he does. He disguises himself as uh, light, as goodness, as righteous, right? So um, one of the things that amazed me as I was preparing this message is 
how much emphasis the Bible puts on this, especially the New Testament. You go read the book of Acts and you go read Paul's letters, the epistles, the, the, the scriptures are packed with um, instructions about recognizing false teachers, false teachings, dealing with it. And I was really amazed at how much emphasis scripture puts on it as opposed to how little emphasis we put on it. This isn't talked about very much. In fact, I would venture to say you've there's, most of you in here have probably never heard a sermon about this. Am I right? Like, how, how many of you have never heard a sermon about this topic before? Raise your hands. Yeah, there's, okay, so there's people in this room that have never heard a sermon about this. So that's why we're talking about it. Um, there's many ways that Satan attacks, okay? Uh, sometimes he'll, he'll tempt you with sinful passions and desires. Uh, he can attack from, uh, through persecution. Uh, he'll work through other people or governments, and he'll attack in that way. Uh, sometimes he'll uh, attack through physical suffering, like we see in the book of Job. Uh, also through through accusations, through through guilt. The Bible calls him the accuser, and uh, Revelation chapter twelve says he's the accuser, and he'll accuse you and and uh, try to make you feel guilt and shame. Um, but false teaching and false teachers might be the most dangerous way that that he attacks because it's the most subtle way that he attacks. Um, the Corinthians, uh, the church in Corinth, they were underestimating Satan's deceitfulness. And that's why Paul uh, wrote this part of the passage that you just read. Uh, Second Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. It's a church that he had started. Uh, he had gone into Corinth and preached the gospel and people had gotten saved and uh, they had planted a church there. And this was a church that Paul had planted, and Paul had heard that there were some people who were coming around, and they were teaching um, some some false doctrines and false teachings, and so that's what he's addressing here. And um, he's he's concerned primarily because he says in verse four uh, that they're putting up with false teachers, and in, in verse two he says, "I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin." To Christ. And Paul's fear was that they would be led astray from a pure devotion to Christ, like he says in, in verse, uh, verse 2 and 3. He says, I'm, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And that's what Satan's ultimate goal is with false teachers and false teachings. It's to lead you away from a pure devotion to Christ. It's to take your focus off of Jesus and to put it on something else. It could be anything else. It could be good works. It could be uh, miracles. It could be uh, anything, money, whatever. As long as he can take your eyes off of Jesus, that's his aim and that's his goal. And so he will uh, introduce teaching that sounds really close to the truth, but is a little bit off. And it kind of leads you in just a little bit, slightly different direction but it doesn't lead you to Jesus. And so that's Paul's concern. Uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 1, he's writing to Timothy, he says, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, right? So there, there are real teachings that are introduced by the devil, okay? Uh, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make to you, that this is not just something that Pastor Jared is making up. The, the New Testament talks about this all the time, okay? Satan is hard at work today. And, you know, 
it's awesome that, you know, with the advent of technology and the internet, we've got more access to good teaching today than ever before. Like in North America, we've got no excuse to be biblically illiterate because we've got tons of resources, right? We've got commentaries and we've got books and we've got websites and we've got every translation of the Bible. You can go online, the English language. We've, I don't even know how many translations we've got, but there's a lot of them. Many languages around the world have no Bible in their language, and we've got 50. <laughs> so that's a good thing, right? We should praise God for that. That's awesome. But with that, with that technology uh, also makes it very, very easy for uh, the enemy to introduce lots of false teaching right into your home through your computer screen or through your television screen. And it happens a lot, and it's very prevalent. And so... Um, because of that, because uh, you guys, you know, I know a lot of you might go home and you'll watch sermons, you know, on YouTube or you'll, you know, watch something on TV and stuff like that. You've got ready access to this. And so we want to be able to equip you guys to be able to kind of to figure out, okay, is this person, should I be listening to this person or not? Uh, is this person uh, a true teacher from God or uh, are they, you know, teaching something that uh, is, does not accord with sound doctrine? The, the reason this is so important, guys, is because if we lose the gospel, we lose everything, okay? Like, if we lose the gospel, if we ever shift away and stray away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we lose absolutely everything. This isn't about, like, I, I, I don't want our church, I don't want you as a Christian to become a heresy hunter. I don't, you know, this isn't about, like, you know, like getting you guys to start going out there and investigating every single teacher and all of your friends to make sure, see if there's anything that they believe that's not true or whatever. That's not what this is about, okay? This is about the glory of God and the salvation of souls. It's about equipping you to be able to, when you come across teaching, when something is presented to you, to be able to filter that through the Word of God and go, you know, is this right? Is this true? So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to spot false teaching, how to guard against it, and then what to do if you encounter it, okay? So those are the kind of the three things we're going to look at briefly. How to spot it, how to guard against it, and what to do if you encounter it. So first, let's talk about how to spot false teachers and false teachings. Um, the best way to, to spot false teachers is to look at the content and the character of their message, the content of their message and the character of their life. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. So again, kind of like that analogy of the angel of light, Jesus says that, that false prophets will, will come and they'll have on sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they'll be ravenous wolves, right? So they come disguised. And he says, the way that you can tell a, uh, a, a teacher from God, uh, as opposed to a false teacher, is you can know them by their fruits, the content of their message and the character of their life. So in this passage in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul warns of a different Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel. False teachers proclaim a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible, and they peddle a different gospel than the one that saves. One of the most common characteristics of false teaching, talking about the content, looking at the content 
uh, of a teacher's message. One of the most common characteristics of false teaching is that it elevates man and it belittles God, okay? If you come across teaching that elevates man and belittles God, then that's a sure sign that, that this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Often this takes the form of false views about Jesus, all right? So a common one uh, historically, is to deny the deity of Jesus, all right? Lots of uh, false teachers will uh, deny the deity of Jesus. Uh, lots of cults and false religions will do this. A couple of very classic examples would be uh, Jehovah's Witness and Mormons. So Jehovah's Witness, uh, they teach that Jesus was created, for example, okay? Uh, Mormons teach that Jesus uh, was uh, used to be a man and he became a god, uh, and that you can too if you do the right things and you try hard enough. Uh, so uh, the, that's, that's heresy. <laughs> that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see how that's, it's kind of belittling Jesus and it's elevating man, right? Hey, you can be on the same level as Jesus if you try hard enough. There's really not that much difference between you and between him. And the gospel says, the Bible says, no, no, there's a vast difference between you and between him, right? He's holy and righteous. He's uncreated, the one true God. We are human beings, and we were made for one reason. That's to worship him, right? Uh, another, another thing you'll hear is, um, you know, uh, denying that Jesus physically died on the cross. Uh, Islam teaches that, that nope, Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, that it was, uh, it was just a, a, an illusion of him, or it was somebody that looked like him, but it wasn't actually Jesus, um, and then even today, uh, it's not just cults or, or, you know, old heresies from the third and fourth century. Uh, today, there's a, a teaching going around that's pretty popular that says that uh, Jesus didn't perform uh, miracles as God, that he actually completely laid aside his deity while he was on earth, and he was only a man while he walked the earth. He was a man only, and all the miracles that he did, everything that he did, he did as a man and not as God. So basically that he stopped being God for a short period of time. That's also not true, uh, but that's another way to kind of subtly uh, minimize the deity of Jesus, the glory of Jesus. And the, the reason that they teach that is they say, hey, since Jesus did all that stuff as a man, that means you can do the same things that Jesus did. Again, you see what it's doing, right? It's kind of belittling Jesus, right? Belittling, belittling the glory of God and elevating man, Okay. False teaching um, also commonly twists the gospel in a couple of other ways. Um, two ways that I'll give you. Number one, uh, there's a, a false gospel that makes man the hero, and then there's a false gospel that removes Jesus as the focus. Um, to, what I want to do real quick, though, is I want to kind of rehash, okay, what is the actual gospel? Um, because I think sometimes it's helpful to remember what is the gospel as taught in the Bible so that that'll help us to recognize distortions of the gospel. All right, so the gospel, according to Scripture, is that we, every single one of us, is dead in sin. All right, We deserve hell. We're separated from God because we've all rebelled against God. We've rebelled against His commandments. We worship the things that He's created. We, we long for and, and, uh, and, and give our hearts to things that He's created rather than to the Creator Himself. And in the midst of that, although we deserve judgment, God sent His one and only Son, Jesus. God incarnate, left heaven, came to earth for one reason. That was to die on the cross for you and for me. Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin, for, for everybody who believes. He, he died for everybody who will believe. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, 
He ascended into heaven and he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And as King of kings and Lord of lords, he calls you to turn from your sin and to trust in him for salvation. It's, you're, you're saved by grace through faith alone. There's no other way that we can be saved, okay? It's by grace. It's a free gift of God. There's no works added to it. You don't need to believe plus do these other things. No, it's simply by faith alone in Jesus. And those who place their faith in Jesus are forgiven of their sins and granted eternal life with God forever in the new creation. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, a a gospel that makes man the hero can sound really similar, but it adds just a little bit something to it. A gospel that makes man the hero says, yeah, Jesus can save. Yeah, Jesus, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to do your part too. You have to believe in Jesus and you have to do your part as well. Guys, every single cult and false religion does this. Every single cult and false religion will add some sort of works to the requirement to go to heaven. All of them will. All false religions, all cults. Uh, This was happening in the church in Galatia. Paul wrote uh, the book of Galatians specifically to address this issue because there were people that were teaching that, yes, you need to have faith in Jesus and you need to keep the law of Moses to be saved. So you have to go get circumcised. You have to, you know, uh, to abide by the food laws. You have to do all these things if you want to be saved. And Paul writes to them in Galatians chapter one. Listen to what he says to the church there. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He calls it a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Right? Paul says, the gospel that we first proclaimed to you and that we first brought to you, if somebody comes, even if they're an angel from heaven and they come proclaiming to you a different gospel, let them be accursed. Don't turn from the gospel that you believed in that saved you. Don't start believing these lies that you need to do something else in addition to trusting in Jesus for salvation. The actual gospel, this false gospel says, you, you, you know, you need to... You need to do these works to kind of build yourself up so that you can be righteous in God's side. The actual gospel says, no, you're dead in sin. You can't do anything. Dead people can't do anything. Dead people can't work their way to salvation. They're dead. Spiritually, we are dead in sin. And our situation is hopeless apart from the grace of God. And that's the good news of the gospel. The grace of God has come. God opens our eyes. God speaks life into our spiritually dead bodies and opens our eyes. A gospel that removes Jesus as the focus is also a distortion of the true gospel. Um, If you come to Jesus for health or wealth, or if you come to Jesus seeking the ability to do miracles, or you come to Jesus with a focus on gaining special knowledge or, or visions, things like that, anything that dethrones Jesus, anything that takes Jesus' place, that becomes the focus of your pursuit other than Jesus is a false gospel. I love how there's a a Christian hip-hop artist named uh, Shia Lin, and in 
uh, a certain song, he says, if you come to Jesus for money, then he's not your God, money is. If you come to Jesus for anything, <laughs> then Jesus is not your God, that thing is, if that's the thing that you're pursuing. We come to Jesus for Jesus, not for health and wealth, not for material prosperity, not so that you know, he'll heal our bodies, not so that he'll do this and he'll do that. No, it's, we come to him because he's king of kings and he's Lord of lords and he deserves all of our worship and praise because we believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life and that nobody can come to the Father except through him. That's why we come to Jesus. Any gospel where the focus or the prize is something other than God is a gospel that removes Jesus as the focus. And by the way, uh, I want to point this out. Just because a teacher says Jesus' name all the time doesn't mean that the focus is on Jesus. That's one of the oldest tricks in the book. You'll find a lot of teachers out there who will, you know, run around the stage, you know, screaming, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just because somebody's saying Jesus doesn't mean the focus is on Jesus. Listen to the content of the message, right? What, what are they inviting you into? Do they exalt Jesus as the focus of the message? Jesus as the prize? A new relationship with Jesus as the goal of the gospel? Or is it so that you can get something from Jesus? Is it what Jesus can get you? That's how you know what the focus of the message is. So listen to the content. All right. Also, you need to look at the character. Don't just listen to the content of the message of teachers, but look at their character. Um, false teachers often promote man, uh, especially themselves, uh, and they focus on the spectacular. They get you to look at the outward appearance and not to look at what's inside, okay? Um, it could be, uh, you know, big numbers at their, at their rallies or in their churches, or it could be, you know, a focus on high emotion, or it could be miracles or these big impressive ministries. That's what was happening in Corinth. In chapter, in 2 Corinthians 11, the passage we read earlier, Paul, he's, he writes to Corinth and apparently there were uh, these other teachers going around and bragging about how impressive their ministries were. Look at verse 5. He says, Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. So Paul's kind of being a little bit salty here. I kind of I like what Paul's doing. He's, he's being a little bit like, oh, these guys think that they're something else, that they're hot stuff. You know, I'm not inferior to these super apostles. And then he says uh, in verse 6, even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. So back in this culture in the first century in Roman Empire, um, it, it was uh, if you had good oratory skills and you could stand up and deliver these impressive speeches, you were very well respected in culture. And so likely what was happening is there were some uh, false teachers uh, and these men had very impressive communication abilities and they were able to stand up and deliver these very impressive uh, messages and speeches. And so people were very drawn to it. And they were uh, basically, they were um, bashing Paul. They were saying, this guy, Paul, this guy, Paul, he's a terrible public speaker. Like, he's not wise. This guy's a fool. He, he's, you know, he's not very impressive. Don't listen to his speech. And Paul's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not, that very, I'm not a very impressive speaker. But what I lack in my skills in speaking, I've got in knowledge. The super apostles were claiming to be on a higher spiritual plane than others. But again, remember Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. You will know teachers by their fruit. Fruit is not the outward success. 
It's not the impressive nature of their ministries. It's not because they sound passionate when they speak. It's not because of mighty works that they do or that they claim to hear direct messages from God. You'll hear that all the time from false teachers. I heard directly from God on this. I've got a special word that nobody else has, right? You know, uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said that many people are going to come to me uh, at the uh, at judgment day and say, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I'm going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Like, so you know what that means? That, you know, even miracles and signs and wonders aren't proof that a teacher is from God. You need to look at their character. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 24, that... Um, that even the uh, that, that false prophets are going to perform signs and wonders to deceive God's people, if possible. You can tell a lot about a teacher by looking at their life. You know, Paul pointed to his weakness. In verse 7, he says, I humbled myself so that you might be exalted. Paul didn't point to his impressive attributes. He didn't talk about how great he was at speaking. He didn't talk about uh, his impressive resume, how he used to be a Pharisee, and how he had, you know, had all these, you know, he had been, uh, taught by Gamaliel, one of the most respected teachers uh, in uh, Israel at the time. Paul pointed to his weakness and he magnified God's strength. Paul was happy to give away credit. He didn't want to take credit. He didn't want to build himself up. He wasn't interested in taking money from the people of Corinth. Another thing that you'll see commonly with false teachers is that they're going to drive around in Mercedes Benz and have 7,000 square foot houses, right? And they're going to tell you, if you just give me a little bit of money, then God's going to heal you. If you give me a little bit of money, then God's going to bless you materially. He's going to bless you financially. That's not what a disciple of Jesus Christ does. That's not what a messenger from God does. That's what a false prophet does. That's what a wolf in sheep's clothing does. Watch out for those people. The Holy Spirit always elevates Jesus. He doesn't elevate the man, okay? All right, let's move on. How can you guard against false teaching? We've talked about how to spot it, so how can you guard against it? Uh, verses 13 to 15 in our passage says this. Paul says, Such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Here's a couple of things I want to point out here. Uh, one of the ways that you can guard against false teaching is just don't be naive. Don't be naive. That's, that's the message that I hear in verses 13 to 15 right here. Satan is an angel of light. He's disguised as an angel of light. Uh, I, was, uh, I read about this um, fish called the anglerfish uh, earlier this week, and I think there's a picture of the anglerfish behind me. Is it there? Yeah. So this is an anglerfish. That's a serious looking fish, right? So what the anglerfish does is actually really amazing. So you see that thing that's kind of protruding from its snout? It's, uh, the anglerfish has a small, uh, a long filament that protrudes. And on the end there is actually uh, flesh. And what he does is he'll lie uh, on the ocean floor and he'll just lie and wait. And that little filament actually moves around and it mimics prey uh, for other predator fish. And it'll just sit quietly and wait while that thing just kind of, I guess, waves around in the water. And as soon as another fish gets close to it and takes the bait, it just like that. It just reaches out and just like gobbles it up and like just chomps down on it. And it uses, you know, uh, this little 
thing, this phylum on the end of his face to be able to lure in an unsuspecting fish who thinks that, hey, look, there's a nice free lunch being offered to me. Wow, isn't this nice? And the next thing you know, bam. Also read about, um, I don't have a picture, but there's a, bu- a bug called an assassin bug. Has anybody ever heard, heard of the assassin bug? Assassin bugs are pretty crazy. So what these bugs do is they'll actually purposefully go into a spider web and they'll use their feet and they'll hit the spider web to make it vibrate uh, and to mimic what a, uh, a bug that would get caught in a web would do so that the spider thinks that, hey, I've got lunch. Lunch has arrived on my spider web. And so the spider walks out to get the lunch and right as the spider arrives, nope, sorry, spider, you are actually the lunch. And the assassin bug attacks. There's, there's a lot of other different animals, actually. It's really cool. You know, one of the things I was thinking is how, how neat it is that God will include spiritual lessons in his creation if we're just watching closely enough. That was one of the things that I thought about. And the other thing I thought about was when you start reading about some of these animals and like the way that they like catch their prey and stuff. And if you, I don't know how you can read that and think that this all happened by a big bang. Sorry, that's not what this sermon's about, but you're crazy, honestly. Like if you think that's all an accident, like it's just... Like it's crazy. This, it's awesome. Like there, there's a there's another um, there's another uh, bug that actually uh, is able to uh, mimic the scent of a, a female of a different bug to lure males of uh, different species, and it'll actually mimic the scent so that the male of another species will come by, and then they'll attack it. And I'm like, that's crazy. It's wild. Like I don't know. God's God's really cool the way that he does his creation. So anyways, the point is that Satan isn't going to walk up with you with his pitchfork and his horns and say, hello, my name's Satan. Do you want to believe my message? That's not what he's going to do. He's going to disguise himself. He's going he's to wave that little thing in the air and go, hey, look, it's a free lunch. Hey, look, this, this sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Right? And he's going to, to lure you in with messages that sound attractive. Satan is attractive. He's beautiful right? I mean, think about sin. Think about temptations to sin. Sin feels good a lot of times, doesn't it? Right? Satan doesn't tempt you to like bang your hand with a hammer, right? Like that's not what he's tempting us to do, is it? He's not tempting us to do things that that are painful. He's tempting us to do things that make us feel good, isn't he? False teachers are disguised as apostles of Christ. That's what Paul says. He says that it's no surprise if Satan's servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So as the kids would say, stay woke, right? Be aware that Satan is an angel of light. Next, another way you can guard against false teaching is study the Bible. Know the real thing. Know the truth, okay? Uh, The way that uh, agents who uh, are counterfeit experts are trained to be able to spot counterfeit bills is that they first become experts in knowing a real bill inside and out. That's the first step that they go through is they learn every nuance about a bill. About a, so they'll take a $5 bill and they'll, you know, they'll know, you know all the holograms that are in it. They'll know how many numbers and letters are supposed to be in it. They know how it feels. They know how it looks when you hold it up to the light. They know how it looks when you tilt it. Everything about that bill. Because when you know the real thing well, then it's a lot easier to spot small distortions when you hold up the fake thing. So know what you believe and why you believe it. 
tests everything by the word of God. Satan feasts on biblically illiterate people. And you want to know why I think that, that false teaching and false teachers are so prevalent and they're making so much money on people today and so many people are, are naive and gullible to this stuff? It's because we're very biblically illiterate as a whole, as a church. And just don't let that be you. <laughs> you don't have to be biblically illiterate. We've got so much access. Um, if you're not getting discipled, if you're not in stages of discipleship right now, and come and talk to us so that we can help you, so that we can get you into discipleship, so that you can start learning and start growing and start learning how to read and study the Bible for your own so that you're not susceptible to this stuff. And remember that the way that Satan deceived Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, what did he say? He came up to her and he said, did God, did God really say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Right? He sowed doubt about God's word into her mind. Are you sure that God really said that? I'm not sure if God really said that. Watch out for people who say, I know that the Bible seems to mean this, but it actually doesn't mean that. It means something else. Watch out for people who say that. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a duck. If the Bible seems to mean something, then it means that. You don't need to, you know, listen to people who are going to go, well, actually, according to the cultural context, it literally means the opposite of what it says it means. That's, that's bogus. Don't listen to that stuff, okay? Third, stay in the safety of community, okay? This is why we've got a church. You can guard against false teaching by staying in the safety of community. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So people like myself, Mike, Chris, we, we lead and we teach working with you for your joy, okay? Uh, one of our primary responsibilities is to shepherd you and to help you grow and to stay safe from things like false teachings and to be able to help you learn how to read the Bible and equip you with everything that you need so that you can, so that you can thrive in your personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. If you've got a question about something, like if there's something you're reading or something you see, come and talk to us. That's why we're here. We would be happy to sit down with you and to, and to walk through Scripture with you and to, to help you. That's why we're here, all right? You don't have to go through it alone. What happens to a sheep that wanders away from the flock? Yeah, it gets eaten. That's right. That's what the wolf is looking for, right? He's looking for sheep that are all by themselves wandering away from the flock. So don't be that sheep that wanders away from the flock. Stay within the safety of community, right? That's why you've got brothers and sisters in Christ to do this thing along with you. And one more kind of aside here. Look, if you are watching something on YouTube or you know, reading something, and it smells fishy, something smells off, then it probably is. Like, trust that. Because you, if, you if you were born again and you're a Christian, that means you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. You've got the Spirit of Jesus inside of you, okay? And the Holy Spirit, John 16 says, He will guide us into all truth, all right? So you never have to worry that you're just going to unknowingly walk off into error if you're actively seeking God and you're asking Him to show, lead you into truth and you're in your Bible and you're staying within community, then he's going to protect you, okay? So you don't have to live in fear. He will protect you. And a lot of times it'll be because you'll be looking at something like that and you're going to go, something doesn't seem right here. Trust that. It's probably because it's not right. Something's not right. All right, lastly, before we close, real quickly, what can you do if you encounter false teaching? 
What can you do? What can you do if you encounter false teaching? Uh, either you encounter it yourself, or maybe you know somebody who is caught up in it right now. Um, number one, refute the teaching. If you encounter false teaching, then refute it, which means oppose it. All right. Jude verses three and four says this. Jude says, "Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation." I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So Jude exhorts the church here, to, to, to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. He, he recognizes that there were people who were creeping in unnoticed, right, into the church and were, uh, were, were distorting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's up to you and I, ultimately, guys, to contend for the faith, to refute false teaching whenever we come across it. Because, guys, the souls, the eternal souls of people are at stake, okay? We can't just turn a blind eye. We can't just turn a blind eye when people are being deceived, when somebody's saying, oh, you, you don't ju- it's more than just having faith in Jesus. You also need to do this and this and this to, to be saved. Or, oh, you know, like if you come to Jesus, then he's going to make all your dreams come true, and you're going to, you know, he'll give you a Mercedes Benz if you ask for it. That's the kind of stuff that we need to stand up to and say, no, that's not true. We need to be able to speak up and say, that's not true. That is false. Now, we're going to talk about this in just a second. We do that in love. We'll talk about how to do that, but we also need to be clear, okay? We need to be clear. Sometimes it's going to take some difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations, but souls are on the line and the glory of God is at stake. Secondly, if you encounter false teaching, then remove the influence. Remove the influence. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18, Paul says this to the church in Rome. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. All right? So Paul says, avoid people who are actively working to deceive the hearts of the naive. Avoid people who are actively teaching false doctrine and they're unrepentant about it. They're not willing to talk about it. This isn't talking about just people who, you know, like if you've got a friend and you know your friend watches Joel Osteen, who is a very prominent um, prosperity preacher, right? Joel Osteen teaches that God wants you to be wealthy, stuff like that. So if you find out your friend's watching Joel Osteen, this passage doesn't mean that you need to like bar all communication with this person and just ignore them. That's not what they're talking about. This is talking about people who are actively coming in and they're trying to sway others and use their influence to lead people astray, okay? Those are the types of people that we're called to avoid. Because um, Second Tim, Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, he says their talk will spread like gangrene. Anybody know how gangrene spreads, right? How quickly it spreads? It spreads quickly and ultimately it'll kill a person if it's not cut off at the root, right? Unity is important. Unity is important. We need to stand together, right? Jesus died for one bride, for one church. But if we promote unity over truth, then we'll end up standing together for nothing. 
okay? We promote unity over truth and we'll end up standing together for nothing. We need to promote unity along with truth together, okay? Truth can't be sacrificed for unity. Lastly, if you encounter false teachers, or if you encounter false teaching, um, and you encounter somebody who's caught up in it, then restore the brother or sister. Restore them. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26 says this. Paul says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. What, what, what I want to leave you with is this. So important to remember that Satan is our enemy, not people, okay? People are not our enemy. The devil is the enemy, okay? And so uh, even, even a guy like Joel Osteen, right, who's, who's doing a lot of damage to the church, the reality is, is that Joel Osteen is a human being created in the image of God, okay? He has value, intrinsic value, because he was created in God's image. Is the devil using him and working through him to deceive lots of people? Absolutely. But should we pray for Joel Osteen? Yeah, you bet we should. You bet we should. Why? Because of that last verse, perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. If you've got somebody in your life who's caught up in this stuff or who's going around promoting it, number one, just love them, right? Love them well. Love them well. Part of loving them well means like telling them the truth, right? Like being very clear, like, hey, I love you and nothing you ever do is going to change that, but I'm going to tell you, I believe that you're an heir. I believe this is what the Bible teaches, right? Be honest with them, right? And then pray for them. Intercede for them. Pray often for them. Guys, if God can save you, if he can save me, if he can save Saul and turn him into Paul, he can save your friend or your family member that's caught up in this stuff. He can even save Joel Osteen. Guys like that, all right? So we should always work to restore our brothers and sisters in Christ.